to the Coweta 441 podcast, where everything we discuss is local government operations within the 441 square miles in Coweta County, Georgia. We do this through fun conversations with our talented team and special guests. I'm Michael Fouts, and I have the pleasure of being your host. Thank you for joining us today, and Happy New Year. I hope that you had a great holiday season. Today, our guest is Fire Chief Robbie Flanagan. We hope that you enjoy. Chief Flanagan has been with Coyote County Fire Rescue for over 25 years and has been serving as fire chief since his appointment in June of 2021. Chief, we're excited to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Before we jump into the topic of Fire Rescue Department and your operations, if you don't mind, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So I'm married to my wife, Dawn. I have two girls, Maggie and Emma. Uh, Emma, my youngest, attends Georgia, University of Georgia. My oldest daughter, Maggie, attends Auburn at Montgomery. She also uh, plays soccer there and graduating in, as a nursing degree, hopefully next December. Awesome. They took after their dad with their athletics, huh? They definitely took after their dad, and, but they're much better than I've ever been. So fun watching them. Academic from their mom. Academic is definitely from their mom's side. Thank goodness. We are blessed to have two very smart, very talented young ladies. Awesome. I know y'all have been involved in the community for many years, including your family, correct? Yeah, so my uh, mom's side of the family has always been uh, from Noonan, and my dad's side is from Illinois. But uh, just the extended family, we've always uh, had shops downtown. Uh, one was Mansour's on the square. Used to be Brothers also that was on the square. And then even the pawn shop that used to be on the corner on the square. So uh, we've been uh, ingrained in the community for a long time. Well, let's jump into today's topic, discussing fire rescue operations. I know there's a lot we can dive into. Probably we could talk about for days, honestly, with the operations of what you guys do. We could. Let's start with kind of the, the start of fire rescue. So we have a deep history in Coweta of beginning with volunteers here in the community. And we transitioned, I believe, sometime in the 80s or not. I think late yeah, 80s. Late 80s, early. Yes, so, 90s. So recently you guys celebrated your 50th anniversary. 50-year uh, anniversary from our, our first uh, recorded call in Coweta. So there was actually some calls prior to, but 50 years since our first recorded call. Wow. So things have changed a little bit in the last 50 years. I would say they changed probably a lot. So kind of describe to me what the operation looks like today. I know, obviously, there's much more than just fire, right, and fire protection. We now have EMS. We have a fleet shop. We have hazmat, special ops. There's a lot of different components, but generally speaking, what, what does the fire rescue department look like in Coyote County today? Michael, you're right. I could, I could talk about fire rescue uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, we have some amazing men and women uh, that make up Coweta Fire, and it has changed a lot. Today, what we're looking at is uh, 441 square miles of coverage, of fire coverage. You know, what it's really evolved to is we also have EMS coverage. So we run that uh, county ambulances. And we do that to cover the whole entire county to include the city limits. Sonoy uh, is another big uh, Granville. However, Noonan does have its own fire department, but our crews on the ambulances work with those fire units in the city together to provide that service to everyone in the county, countywide and in city, citywide. So 441 square miles. How many stations do you guys operate? We have 15 stations. As I came through, we were uh, starting to build station 14, then 15, then 16. People say, well, if you have 15 stations, why do you have 16 numbers? We don't have a station 13, kind of like a, a bad luck in the fire service, station number 13. 
And you also have, which we can talk about a little bit later, uh, now a fleet shop, right? Correct. We have a fleet shop that has to oversee all our vehicles, uh, not just the big fire trucks, but the ambulances, uh, all our SUVs and things like that. It's quite a task. We have four members that work back there full time and are even respond in after hours if we need to. But it doesn't just stop there. I mean, we, uh, if you want to look at the services we do, we, we have a fire marshal's office uh, that is involved. We have right now currently a fire marshal, one inspector. They are responsible for approving plans and looking at life safety and fire working within the different county departments at the fire side of life safety to, to make sure everything is done correctly and follows code. We also have Cali to Cares as a program that helps our, our mental health aspect of, of what we respond to. A lot of people don't really realize how many of those calls there, there are, but especially during the holidays, a lot of people have those breakdowns and just need that support and that extra help. So Coward Cares is our answer as a county to provide extra help to those citizens. So on average, Chief, uh, a year, what does the call volume look like for a fire department? So we're looking just, we're on track this year to be either at 25,000 calls or maybe a little bit over 25,000 calls. What we're seeing is about a 7 to 8% increase yearly uh, as that call volume goes up. But that's quite a, I'd say just a few years ago, uh, it really started picking up. So we're up to 25,000 calls. And do you think that, what, what does that mix look like, fire versus EMS? EMS is definitely our higher call volume and EMS wise. So that's anything from difficulty breathing, chest pains, maybe just might have a possible fracture or broken bone, anything medical related that respond to that's almost 80% of our call volume. And that includes RECs as well on the EMS side, correct? So we do also respond both fire and EMS to RECs, any type of fire, car wreck, uh, medical call, just anything that it, even sometimes going out to an unknown problem, uh, we go ahead as a county and dispatch units that away to see what the problem is. We can always turn them around if we don't need them. So for any of our listeners that may not be familiar with a firefighter, EMT, paramedic, and I know this is hard to say, but what does a typical day look like? So what is that shift and, and what would you say you know, a typical day would look like in one of those positions? That's something else that's really changed over the years as we've grown and the call volume has increased. Typical day to start off with, especially on the uh, fire side, you're looking at uh, you work every third day. So you work for 24 hours, then you're off 48. So you we show up at what time? Show up at eight o'clock in the morning, okay. then you spend the whole day, spend the night, and then you get off. The next shift comes on at eight the next morning. So I'm having dinner. I'm sleeping there at the station. Well, we hope we have dinner. Okay. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times, yes, we do have uh, dinner. And then at nighttime, uh, crews are able to, we have a place for them to to actually sleep. So they have a bed. They get in there, they make their bed, they they can get in there and then we have an uh, alarm system, just like an alarm clock that goes off and tells us where the next call is and, and what it is. With 25,000 calls, it doesn't sound like there's time for dinner. Well, occasionally uh, what happens is about time you get your plate fixed and you put it on the table, that's when the bell goes off. But we also know that that's our job. And the guys, they'll leave the food sitting right there and they go down to the trucks. And a lot of people don't know we actually task our crews with responding in 60 seconds. So even coming from 911, when somebody calls 911, the dispatcher actually has 60 seconds to send that call to the correct station. And then we have 60 seconds from there to get in the truck and start moving. 
so the process there is we streamline as much as possible, even though they, they may ask you a million questions on the phone. There are actually units that are responding why they're asking those questions. So really two minutes from the time the call comes in to wheels rolling. We should be moving. Yep. And you guys have equipment technology in place where you can measure and monitor that performance. So there's actually a clock in our stations in our bay. And as soon as that call gets dispatched, that clock starts. So when those uh, men and women jump in those trucks, they can kind of look up and they can see what that timer says and how accurate they are to be in out the door in one minute. So during the day, let's say it's, it's a nice sunny day, not a lot of traffic accidents, not a lot of medical calls. The stations are at, or excuse me, the crews are at the station. They're checking the apparatus, cleaning the apparatus. They have some other things to do around the station. Is that right? Training. Yeah, so crews, uh, for the, especially for eight hours a day, stay uh, very busy. So they come in the morning at eight o'clock. Uh, one of the first things they do is they talk to the offcoming crew. So the crew that's leaving, they kind of talk about what calls they ran, what went on, maybe what they did to, to help somebody on that call. And then if there are any equipment needs to be updated. So the, in, the oncoming crew will come in. They'll actually check every piece of equipment on their apparatus. So they're assigned to an engine, they're assigned to an ambulance, they're assigned to a truck or even the heavy rescue. They'll actually come in, check every piece of equipment on that truck, make sure it's functioning correctly, it's ready to go for the day. And then once they get that completed, they'll get with the uh, station officer. And from that station officer, normally they come up with some type of training or something they're going to do for that day to do training on. Uh, A lot of times in the morning, though, after they get that apparatus checked and they get with uh, each other to make sure everything is done, They'll actually go around. They'll clean their station, what we call their house. So, so, so a lot of people think they're just sitting at the station, right? Right. And and they probably wish they were sitting at the station, but uh, they got to get their house in order. So they got to get everything cleaned up, everything ready to go. Uh, and then once that equipment's done, the house is done, starting to get closer to, to around lunchtime, they may get a little bit of training in for about an hour. And then hopefully right around lunchtime, get ready to eat a little lunch and then kind of do the same thing on the second half of the day. And really, the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is public outreach. Sometimes you guys, you guys are at schools, you're going to other events in the community. Tell us about public outreach. So we love doing what we call PRs, and that's that uh, public relations like you're talking about. It's everything for a lot of times the school calls and say, hey, can your, can your folks come out? And depending on the age range or whatever it is, they might just show the gear. They may just show the fire truck. They may do both. It's really whatever that group is looking for, uh, whatever their needs. Occasionally, uh, we will go out and do a just a birthday where they ride by, see the truck. We definitely tell everybody we schedule these, what we call PR events for. If the truck doesn't show up, it's probably because it's on a cost, not because we didn't want to be there. So uh, we're really good about scheduling it out and knowing when they are. A lot of times what we'll do is after they get finished running the call, they'll make contact with that person as soon as they can and say, hey, if you still want us, we'll come right now. And they'll leave a call and go right to that PR event. So recently, I think you guys were in the Noonan Christmas parade. Oh, we were. PR. Great PR event. Matter of fact, uh, that morning we started off, Noonan invited us for a shop with a cop and first responder. And it's for a lot of kids in the, the area to make sure they get Christmas gifts. The warden actually joined in too with, it, with their folks. Everybody got a bicycle this year also. So we were able to do that, shop with the kids. And then later on that evening, we were in the parade. Somehow we got uh, up near the front. We had our big tower six in there. We had an ambulance in there. We had some folks walking alongside giving out candy. And then we had Buddy the Elf. I noticed you so, had the Elf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's can't great. go in without Buddy. Well, listen, I know we talked about operations a little bit at what it looks like at the station. Let's talk about 
kind of what leads up to be a firefighter, paramedic, EMT. The training aspect is a little different for each of those roles. Can you describe maybe in brief what that training looks like? Yeah. So you were talking about the different levels. You were talking about firefighter and EMT and paramedic, and we have all of those. And there is a little bit of difference. One thing that is the same is everybody that comes through Calvary Fire Rescue has to be a minimum of an EMT. And that's that EMT where you learn the basic medical treatments. That's the person that can ride on ambulance. And and we require, uh, there's little different levels of EMT. We require, if you're just an EMT, you have to be an EMT and EMTA, which is advanced. Uh, that allows them to start IVs and give some medications and things of that nature. The other side, so that's what everybody has to be. Then from there, you can grow. If you want to go ahead and get your fire, you can go ahead and get your fire. You, we put you through a, a 16 to 18 week fire school. It, you can get firefighter one, you get firefighter two, you get hazmat ops, and you go through that process. That's where you get the dual title firefighter EMT. Then also you have a choice to take it the EMT train to the next level, which is the paramedic level. And so that paramedic level allows you to have the most knowledge and skill to perform uh, different like tracheal innovation. So if you can't breathe, we put a tube down. If different medications we can give you for cardiac problems, it's a lot of the same things they can do in the emergency room that our paramedics can do in the field. And so all those folks that work together when there's a medical call or, or some type of intervention that needs to happen to save somebody's life, they put those skills together so that we can get that person to the emergency room so they have a chance. So you have a mixture of positions, firefighter, EMT, paramedic, or firefighter only? Right. And just recently um, with that mixture, the EMT onlys. So we're the one of the only places in the state of Georgia that will allow you just to be an EMT or just a paramedic. On that, going back to federal law without getting too much in the weeds there, they have to be paid differently than our firefighters. So they work on a 40 hour week, but we do employ EMT onlys and paramedic onlys to help us with our ambulance, staffing our ambulances. We want, this is how we look at it. We want the best people to fit the apparatus to fit our needs for our citizens. And the way to do that is to, to open that door to new ideas and, and different. If, uh, if somebody doesn't want to be a firefighter, Good. We got, we got an ambulance. We want you to be really good at that. If you if you want to do both, we, we want you to do both. We want to have as many options as we can because we want to try to provide the best service for our citizens we can every day. So there's a career path, in other words, for any of those options. If you join your team at some point, you can pick and choose depending on your desires. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, it really is. It's about your passion, your desire. You're absolutely right. And so that gives people different avenues. Uh, if I, not everybody likes fire, even some of my fire personnel, they, they're not real big on the EMS side or the medical side. They still have to be trained to that EMT level because all of our fire trucks and all of our equipment, that's 80% of our call volume. What we talked about earlier, they still have to respond out to help those citizens. A lot of times that fire, people always wonder, why is the fire truck here? Well, the fire truck's a lot closer than the ambulance. If we can get there and start that early care, the better chance you have and that's why we run that dual role. Same thing with the city of Newton. They'll send a fire truck in the city and we're sending an ambulance. So, you know, it's, it's about that response time. Uh, what we want to do is we want to take care of your loved one as soon as we can. You know, you bring up a good point. I think a lot of people, when they see response, right, you're in the community, you see, say, a 911 call goes out to a residential neighborhood and you see three or four apparatus show up. A lot of people say, wow, that's a lot of 
lot of vehicles, a lot of activity. But what I just heard you say is you're, you're about the manpower to make sure you have the crews, the men and women to be able to do the job. Is that right? Not so much the apparatus. Right. Well, so depending on what the call is, there's sometimes that we may send too many. And the only reason being is it's an unknown problem. So it's all based off our call takers at 911 and what information they can get. What they're really good about is getting all the crews started, no matter if it's fire, EMS, police. So we're not wasting time. Like I said earlier, it's easier to turn those folks around if you don't need them once somebody gets there. But uh, a lot of times it's the fire truck that gets there first and the EMTs. And there's occasionally where we have paramedics on fire trucks where they can jump off if it's a medical call. If it's a car wreck, we have fire, police and EMS. And everybody has a task or assignment to do on that scene. Uh, just this morning, we had I-85, we had a car wreck, we had the interstate shut down for, for a little while. So it took the fire department, the ambulance to take care of the people, the uh, police department to work the wreck, work traffic, and to shut that interstate down for it to be safe for all of our people to do that. Well, working together, if we can get that scene taken care of quickly and get it moved over to the side and get that traffic opened up, of course, the happier everybody is once it's flowing. Less complaints. A lot less complaints. Well, we've talked a lot about response. I want to go back to one thing. We talked about the men and women and the training that goes on. I think you have a EMT recruit class going on now. Yeah, we have a, we currently have an EMT class going on now. Uh, there's we started with twenty three. Uh, we're down to twenty one. The reason we're down to twenty one is because two of them passed their EMT test already. Awesome. And so they've completed it. So we've moved them online, and they just started. Matter of fact, this past Saturday. But we still have 21 left in. They're doing really well. And they're about halfway through. So it's always a recruiting effort as we grow the department and continue looking for good people. So it's always a recruiting effort. And the reason being is, like you hit on earlier, we have the EMT side and the fire side. We talked about 16 to 18 weeks on the fire side. Uh, It takes right around. It takes 20 weeks to do the EMT training for them to come out being an EMTA. So that time frame in which it takes to take somebody from the street give them the training that they need to become to become a basic EMT and then 20 weeks and then maybe a firefighter in 16 weeks. It, that's why that cycle keeps on going because if somebody leaves tomorrow, they're gone the next day. Right. And again, it takes 20 weeks to train EMT and 16 weeks to train them on the fire side. So that's why we're always looking to, for staffing to keep our numbers up. To flip back to one more topic. We talked earlier about apparatus and the, the response side. You guys have a lot of equipment. A lot of equipment. A lot of expensive equipment. Very expensive equipment. Where, where do you, tell me about the funding and how you guys fund your operation from a apparatus perspective. So our administration at the fire department to include our logistic chief, our admin director, the deputy chief. So we get together and we kind of look at the age of our fleet. And then we look at the response area, how many miles are on apparatus and kind of what is, what does this life look like as a vehicle? The goal is to get 10 years and really our goal is to get 20 years out of a truck if we can. But to put that together and to fund those units just recently, SPLOSH was passed. A lot of those fundings come from SPLOSH and even on the ambulance side. So with that money, it's earmarked for certain things that we have to spend it on. We tell the community, this is where your SPLOSH dollars are going. So your fire fund. So if I'm a property taxpayer... The fire fund is paying for operations, your personnel and that sort of thing. And you're saying the SPLOS funds are paying for your capital purchases. Is that right? Correct. So the SPLOS is going to the capital of that equipment. We cannot use SPLOS funds to pay for personnel. 
So then when you get, once that, once we knew that that was taken care of and we had Splosh voted back in, that lets us go back and be creative to take that fire fund and really look at personnel. So what a lot of people don't understand is personnel is probably 96% of our cost as a whole for the county because you're looking at hiring employee, you're looking at benefits, you're looking at training, you're looking at uniforms. There's a lot of things that go on with that fire fund just for each one of the employees. And by the way, we have right at 250 employees at Fire Rescue. That's great. Well, we're definitely thankful for SPLOST passing, as you said, last November, the really, 2025 SPLOST. Yeah, I mean, it just really helps the county out as a whole. And to have ID5 coming through here and a big shopping network where people stop by fuel, gas, clothes, all kind of different stuff really contributes because we run a lot of calls out on the interstate, people that don't live here. So they help contribute to some of those funds to buy some of this equipment. You know, it's, it's just a balance of making sure that we spend those splash dollars wisely. And we also take that fire bun and uh, apply it. And it makes it le- a lot easier having both. Chief, we talked about 50 years ago and what's changed over the years since you've been here in 25 plus years. Looking forward, what do you see as an industry from fire and EMS? What do you see changing and what, what are the challenges you see as a chief? Um, so in over 25 years, it's the, the call volume has really changed. Absorbing the EMS side of what used to be the fire department. So now we're a fire EMS based service or really it's our, it's our healthcare. It's uh, it's that Coweta cares that we talked about earlier with the mental health. So to me, I, I think our healthcare is a little bit in trouble for, you know, we're going to be honest about it. What I mean by that is the hospitals are full. The ambulance, we, our ambulances stay in the street every day, just nonstop picking up people. There's several times where we may even run out of ambulances and, so you um, see demand is a big challenge. Demand is, is, is really tough, even right now. And I, I don't see it. I see it getting a little worse. But we have to be creative in how we handle some of these problems on the medical side to be able to, to, help, to continue to help and give the best service to our citizens without bogging down the whole thing. Well, Chief, as we wrap up, is there anything else that we haven't covered today you'd like to share with our listeners? Probably the biggest thing is just I'm honored to have the opportunity to and humbled to have the opportunity to be the fire chief. As we talked about earlier, uh, I've been in Coyote County and Noonan for a long time. My family's been here even longer. Really do care about these citizens. And, th- and this is my passion. This is, this is what I love to do. There's nothing like when that bell goes off and, and you go out there and you look at somebody in their eyes and they're in a really bad car wreck and you're having to use the jaws of life to cut them out or or their loved one is really hurt and they're, maybe they're having a, a heart attack and, and you're taking care of them. The things that we can do today to help these people, that's what it's about. It's, it's the holiday season all year. Uh, it's us coming out when you have the worst problem you ever had and, and we're there to help try to fix it. And it's the teamwork and it doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, where you live. It's, it's just you're coming out to provide that caring and that compassion to, to help somebody to try to make their day just a little bit brighter. And that's what I'd say all of our men and women at Coyote Fire strive to do every day. And it makes me proud to, to be their leader. You've done a great job. We appreciate the leadership you provide and all that your team does. As you said, we we're fortunate to have over 260 plus members serving the community each day, 15 stations, nine ambulances, a lot of programs, Coweta Cares, SWAT Medic Program, Fire Marshal's Office, Fleet. There's a lot that's going on each and every day. Uh, again, thank you for joining me today, for being on the podcast. 
I want to thank our audience for tuning in and uh, I want also invite you to check out the fire rescue department website or reach out to the chief. If you have questions or if you have a function that you're interested in the fire department showing up for, uh, we'll put the contact information in the show notes. We'd love to come out. I would like to let our uh, listeners know, Hey, if you want to come by the fire station, please come by and just knock on the door. If we're not there, we're probably on a call, call headquarters. If you have any questions, you can uh, visit our website. Ask that we we want you to come by. We're you're part of the community. We're part of the community. We're a big team. Uh, just come see us. Love to have you. As always, if you have ideas for future topics, please send us an email to podcast at cowita.ga.us or reach out to us on social media. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cowita four four one on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, or Spotify. That's all today on the Cowita four four one. The Coweta 441 is produced by Kathy Wickey, edited by Chuck Lofton, music by John Hensley and Patrick Thompson, and the graphics designed by Zach Mapp. 